Jesus, Pete. That's weird, right? Hey, you think that guy scratched his own eyes out? How many hours have you been here staring at this shit? Drop it. Duncan and both come correct. Duncan. Uh, you ever you ever have yourself uh, uh, a bit of a snag in the production pi- pipeline? A snag in the production like um, not often. Not All often. right. Uh, well, th- this is gonna fall on deaf ears. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so what happened? It's was- supposed to get easier over time. Yeah. Well, but I invent shit that I need to do as uh, so here's the thing Ah. um i you know there is a video version of this show that is going to be on uh the legion podcast patreon yep and uh here's what i i didn't account for is i needed to do an intro uh for that i don't i don't need to that's overstating it i invented uh an intro that i needed to do (laughs) Uh, for for the opening of the show, because I wanted to do kind of a, a parody of the True Detective opening, mm-hmm. and I've like I've been working on it and so forth, and I realized that at a, a certain point that I'd I'd been spending all of my free time doing that, oh, that I hadn't actually I hadn't actually done the regular audio show, mm. which is not good, and so as as organizationally speaking, it's not good. And uh, at any rate, so that is now out. The other one dropped like right after. So as you're listening to this episode, we are now officially back on schedule. So uh, sorry. A bit like it was one of those things of like, oh, fuck. Well, let's uh, put all of it out. Um, So (laughs) also, like, it's probably probably worth saying there is going to be a gap in this season. Don't know if you knew that. I did not know that. When is the gap? Goddamn Super Bowl. Um, no, apparently Super Bowl's happening. Is it Super oh, Bowl? next Sunday. Yeah, so that's oh, not. Yeah, so right. episode five won't be out next Sunday. It'll be out the week <sighs> after. Those so we got a whole week off. Bitches. I I I did not know that, and that makes perfect sense. And also, I hate it. <laughs> um. Anyway, but so all right. So we'll be off a week. But by that point, all of the video stuff will be out because that pipeline's running smooth now, Duncan. Like, well, I, uh, weirdly, it will catch because we were a, we're a week out of sync, so this yeah. will actually weirdly bring us back in, almost as if Bo would always planned it, almost uh, as if it was never there at all. <laughs> uh, that was where Shatner, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it was never there at all. <laughs> Your Shatner's pretty good. It's it's recognizable as Shatner. I'll, I'll yes. say that. Yeah. And if you throw the mister in there, that's really what sells it. <laughs> you think I'm a bloody Klingon mister? <laughs> uh, anyway. Um, hey, buddy. Uh, oh, this is Duncan and Bo Come Correct. I'm, that's what this is, yeah. I'm Duncan, he's Bo. <laughs> and have always been. And yes. Uh, none of us have ever been robots. <laughs> We never did an episode once where Dern was part of our uh uh-uh. <laughs> definitely of not entire show. Dude, that was as far as concept episodes go. It's probably the best. May, yeah, <laughs> maybe the best. I think it was your idea. Uh, yeah, uh, but I think you're the one that leaned into most of the gags on that episode. <laughs> so 
It's like all that, like we'd somehow managed to tie in everything we'd said the week before, but reattributed whole sections to Dern, mm-hmm. who rolled with it as well. Dern, like, like yes, and did as we right through that in a, in a glorious fashion. So it was a yes, it was a very special episode of Duncan and Bo Come Correct. One of those <laughs> that airs right after school yeah. to teach you a lesson. It's one of those. It was maybe maybe of that later D. X Files. It was probably the high water mark, as far as the episodes. Yeah, go, the episode yes. was excellent. Yes, 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 yes. Um, so, speaking of, hey, do you mind if I go first and do my bad first? Of course, always. Okay, uh, because I, I mean, I, as in, go first, not that I would mind. Oh, great. Um, <laughs> I don't mind stepping on people's feelings, Duncan. <laughs> uh, so I am now through episode twenty. Of season two of Twin Peaks. Oh, right. You are close. So, yeah. So, this is kind of my bad. But this is also that segment of episodes where you start to see things. Like, the ship is slowly riding itself. Yeah. David Lynch has been told to come back. Um, (laughs) Right. And it's like, oh, shit. Dad's coming home. We got to clean this place up. We got to get rid of. Where's James been for half this season? God damn it. I got, yeah, I got a, a a letter from James. All right, well, that's as much James as we're going to have in this episode. When do we all agree <laughs> that a letter vaguely referenced by Donna is as far down the James path as we're willing to go? That's right. Um, she doesn't look like Donna. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, one of those episodes, though, that I watched, because I watched uh, 18, 19, and 20 since the last mm-hmm. time we recorded, and one of the episodes is the Donna. Pass the peace, Tom. <laughs> and when that when the scene came up, I I genuinely laughed very hard. Yeah, our Twin Peaks lore runs deep, my yes, friend. The... Almost as deep as the show. Like I almost feel like Mark Frost could write a third book on the history of Twin Peaks, just on the 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 alternative lore we created just in our podcast. I like to think that we are the tulpa that <laughs> Twin Peaks as a show created. <laughs> Anyway, you you did you did like you're up to episode twenty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're getting into you're starting to get you're starting to you're starting to get back into some um, Black Lodge territory. Yeah. So. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, in fact, the last episode was the whole like it was called the what Path to the Black Lodge or Journey to the Black Lodge. Um, there we go. Yeah. So yeah, it's it, like all of that stuff is really fun. Uh, Agent Cooper is back in uniform and not oh, fucking God. around. <laughs> In his, you know, uh, uh, flannel J. Crew look, uh, which is fucking. Look, some of season two is great. There are some yeah. great stuff in season two, but man, there is some shit. I, th- I think the problem is, and we we covered it then, and I think everyone, it's, it's not as if we're breaking new ground here. Um, everything up until the reveal of Leland Palmer as a killer is. Fucking awesome. And up to and including the reveal and his death. Like, yes. that, that may be the last great episode of yeah. season two yeah. is the death of Leland Palmer. And, like, Ray Wise is killing it. And it's just nuts. And, like, yeah, it's great. It's a, it's a terrific episode. And I don't think it ever hits that high watermark again. Until the very, very, very end of season until the Until the last episode, which... Yeah. Uh, until David Lynch is like, cancel my show, will you? Here's a cliffhanger. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. 
What, make a movie that will answer all these questions? Here's a cliffhanger. Um, what, come back years later and make a, a third season, 18 hours of prime fucking television to answer all these questions? Here's a cliffhanger. Um, I love David Lynch. Yeah. I really, really, really do. Yeah. I, I can't wait to be back in the bank with Del Mibbler <laughs> and the bomb. Del Mibbler is still one of the great names in entertainment but yeah so that's my bad but i all to say i'm really really enjoying my rewatch of it it's Mm. so much fun and i after this i'm definitely doing fire walk with me and uh you know season three yeah like it's i'm i'm in i'm all in on the ride now so uh where's annie um oh man yeah it's incredible yeah, Heather Graham, maybe not great on the show. Yeah, I th- she was still quite young, though, yeah. wasn't she? I think this was like an early performance, and then she went right into Lynch. I mean, that's like, like you don't go just right into Lynch. <laughs> Unless you're Kyle McLaughlin. Like, literally the only actor yeah. who maybe went straight into Lynch and came out smelling of roses. I Yeah, but in many ways, McLaughlin has kind of an extension of Lynch and, and was willing so, yeah. to be that. Yeah, um, yeah. I, oh, I recently watched Lynch's June off the back of watching Villeneuve's June. Oh, yeah. And, like, you can see how much Lynch is kind of infatuated with Kyle McLaughlin's presence on camera. Mm-hmm. It's like he, he's, found his, <clears throat> he's found his vessel, so to speak, and as a result, you know, it does not surprise me that post that... Um, that was just like, a, right, I need to use him in everything. <laughs> like, blue velvet. Um which is my good for this week, by the way. I uh, Blue revisited Blue Velvet, yeah. Um, so I've been wow. on a... That's been, a great movie. I've been on a, a weird little kick recently. And uh, last week, um, it was announced that the Coen brothers were kind of reuniting as a directing so duo. Good. And they're coming back with a horror movie. Mm-hmm. And not only are they coming back with a horror movie, they basically said in the interview, you know, that... We were, you know, we're going back to our Blood Simple roots, and I was like, "Oh, Blood Simple, such a fucking good movie." So I watched Blood Simple. I've had a great week, by the way. I've like, I've been solo parenting, uh, so every night I've been watching like a proper adult movie, um, not like a pornographic movie, mm-hmm. a proper adult movie. So um, it balances out all the fucking kid shit that I have to watch with my daughter. She's in it, like dinosaur programs and fucking. <laughs> Peppa Pig and all, all that nonsense. So, like, I come off that and I, I rocked Blood Simple one night, and then, like, I was just, I just had a hankering for some Blue Velvet the following night. And I was just like, this is like, like, see, when people, I understand when people talk about the the 70s being the kind of high watermark of like, like, like proper, like, adult movie cinema, you know, like just great stories, great storytelling, and all the rest. I get that, and it really, really is, and it's hard to argue. You can stack the best of the seventies up against almost any decade, and I, I think it, like, it, you know, there's a there's a head and shoulders quality about that. There are a whole lot of fucking amazing filmmakers that find their voice in the eighties and just hit home runs. And like, you want that? You do a, a double back to back bill of um, Blood Simple into Blue Velvet, and you're just like, this is fucking. Awesome. Were you just, <laughs> just in the, the blur section of your movie <laughs> no, show? No, it was more the themes. I, I weirdly, I always, I always kind of think of those because they're both kind of they're noir, mm-hmm. like noir mysteries. Um, 
I always kind of pair the two of them together, even though stylistically they couldn't be any further apart. Yeah. Um, they always kind of get lumped into that weird banner together. So, yeah, I, I revisited Blue Velvet, which, I mean, I still think it meant, like, Mulholland Drive may be right there with it, but I think Blood Simple is still my favourite. Uh, not Blood Simple. Uh, Blue Velvet is my favourite Lynch, I think. I think it's the it's the one where... He's he's not went like too esoteric. It's the one where I think he kind of kind of covers that that idea of this is the American dream, but and he literally does it in the movie. Look at the like the the white picket fences and the green grass and all the rest, but just go down a layer down and you'll find a severed deer. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? Like there's, I think he gets all that. And I think that one. It has maybe my favorite villain performance in a Lynch movie. It's pretty good. Like, it's pretty like, good. Like Dennis Hopper is fucking terrifying in that movie. Like, I, like, like, really fucking terrifying. So yeah, I think, I think, um, I'll, I'll change my mind by tomorrow. Like, my Holland Drive's always there for me as like, like, just this is like a different level of cinema. But in terms of just pure narrative, I think um, Blue Velvet might be my favorite. We've had this conversation recently. I I probably would have agreed with you up until like six months ago. Yeah, and now I'm firewall with me is really fucking good, man. Like we like uh, it it gets. I think it's one of those ones where time will only ever be kind to that movie. Yeah, I mean, it feels like such a perfect expression of Lynch mm. in so many ways. And it's the most horror movie of the movies he's ever done. Yeah, and, it's the and, one where he leans, but like the the whole end of that movie and the and the fucking real car is is like nightmare yeah. fuel. It's shocking. Shock. I yeah. mean, even now, uh, yeah. it is it is a shocking scene. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, what do you think? Uh, which is the better movie, Blood Simple, Blue Velvet? Um, ooh, I think. Here's it. Here's it. Here's where like Just here's where it gets difficult. No, here's where it gets difficult. <laughs> you can't answer like that because Blood Simple was technically the Coen Brothers' first movie, uh-huh. um, and that's David Lynch's what fourth, uh-huh. third, fourth. You don't have to. And he'd already, a he'd already fucking, he'd already got all the awards for the Elephant Man. Mm-hmm. So it's if you put a gun to my head and said which is my favorite, it's Blue Velvet. If you ask me what is the better movie, as in like A to B to C narrative, it's Blood Simple. Blood Simple is like, Blood Simple is the perfect noir movie. Like, see, if you're talking about like, like people talk about neo-noir and like all that sort of stuff, like strip out the neo from that and just as a noir movie, is is like, I I would put that maybe up there in my top five noir movies ever made. Um, and that's a genre that I love. <laughs> so, is that fucking good? And it's so unassuming. It's such a simple, mm-hmm. simple, simple movie. Um, you but can it's call just it executed. Simple. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's, it's like it's so easy. Like because there's nothing to hide behind in that movie, you should be able to see the cracks, and you do not see the cracks. And that's what like you watch that movie, and you tell me, oh, these guys are going to go on and win Oscars and direct. Like like some movies that will define decades, and I would believe that just from watching that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for so, sure. I can't wait to have them back doing back back doing a gory horror movie. 
which kind of feels like like it kind of feels like a nice bookend in a lot of respects because they got their they got their start way back in the day with Sam Raimi, so um, back at Evil Dead time. So it's um, it's kind of cool to see them kind of leaning back into that. I, it would be nice to see them team up and just have some fun. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, jeez, uh, what was the the cowboy anthology? The ballad of oh, uh, B- B- Buster Scruggs. Yeah, Buster. Yeah. yeah, Buster Scruggs. Like that movie is just them having a, a blast. Oh, good, yeah, yeah, terrific. Yeah, um, yeah. Anyway, uh, so where were we? That was your good. I've that done my, my bad. Good. Where yep. uh, is that it? Um, my, the other movie that I wanted to mention is another good. I haven't actually seen anything bad. Oh, okay. Um, revisited Matney, uh, Joe Dante. I I keep meaning to go back to that, and I don't know. It's why a once a year movie for me, and it's all it always tends to be after Christmas. Um, I love it. I think it's one of those movies that like, I've been reveling in cinema, <laughs> just like like the like good old timey cinema, and um, it's another one. Joe Dante is another one that I think people forget. Like that run of movies um, from Piranha uh, through to Matinee is just yeah fucking awesome, really special. Like he's yeah yeah like all like 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 decade like that eighties run is is defined like, some of the decade. Yeah, for oh sure. yeah, like, yeah. Like I grew up; those were the movies I grew up watching. Um, and like it kind of lost that a little bit in the nineties. Definitely lost mm-hmm. it in the two thousands. Um, but. You know, like going back to watch Matney's always that one that I go back and I just feel like I, this this is his this is his showing his love of a particular time in cinema. Like when it was magic, it was all like magic and trickery and William Castle and all the rest. Um, and I, I I love it. Performances are awesome as well. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so I've I've had a good time in the last week. Uh, what was your good? Uh, I watched that new. Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One. All right, it did not do well commercially. I, it didn't, but it's good. Mission Impossible stuff. Like I've really he's enjoyed that series. Yeah, he's riding the wave now. I think the last is it since Ghost Protocol. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think those ones have all been really good. The one that he did, I'm not a big fan of the John Woo one, which I think is the second one. Yeah, three I like a lot. Threes, threes where it picks. I didn't like four. I and think then I think right. five onwards has has been has been yeah. great. That previous one to the new one, which I haven't seen yet, is as an action movie, Fallout, yeah. fucking awesome, terrific. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that that's how this one is. Um, even though this is a thing split into two parts, or maybe because it's a thing split into two parts, at times it feels a little bloated. Mm. Um, but the stunts are fucking amazing. Like they're they're still the only ones in the game that are doing these kinds of like real world yeah. big deal stunts. Yeah. And they look great. Like the one mm. of him going, I mean, everybody's seen it, but it's him doing the motorcycle run off the mountain into the parachute. And yeah. it's like, that's fucking great. Yeah. Like I know that this is probably how he'll die and should, um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, before uh, the Scientology documents get, get out there, let's let uh, Let's let's encapsulate him as we remember him as a guy who liked to take like like insane risks. Uh, that I'm surprised. Like at this stage, I'm surprised studios allow it. I'm surprised there's not a sea of lawyers going like that. No, <laughs> like, well, but he's the producer also, and I think that's what yeah. buys him the like. I'm I'm gonna fucking do this, and they're like, well, we 
I, there are plenty of meetings I'm sure he has where they yeah. strongly suggest that he he doesn't. Yeah, he stops, <laughs> and he's just like, I, I'm, you know, hey, hey, I'm gonna do it. Um, yeah, he says. <laughs> But it's also become a cartoon weasel. Yeah, a little bit, a little. But isn't that really what his vibe? Um, oh God, yeah, yeah. But it, it, I, I really enjoyed the movie as much as I did a lot of the others. Uh, they bring uh, Haley Atwell into the mix, and she's really fun. Mm. And yeah, it's just good. Like they're good fucking movies. They're they're funny at times, and the action is great, and the stunts are kind of mind blowing. Yeah. And, it it's what those movies ought to be, mm. you know that these they're these just great spectacle films and uh, and they deliver, yeah. you know and and like the plot is stupid in a way that most of them are, yeah and and so it's like yeah 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 fine get to the stuff like just just explain it like I say this all the time in these movies where I just need somebody periodically to be like yeah. all right dummies here's what's happening <laughs> we have to go get this key. Which I, we have a, a counterfeit one. Yeah, you understand it, it, that means fake, and we're gonna go get swap it for the real one. And yeah. so that's the next twenty minutes of the movie. All right, it's, all, it's always it's, all, it's always the Death Star thing, isn't it? It's always like that. There's this code, but it's locked in this secure building. Yes, like yes. under under like under like seventeen thousand tons of, of of gravel and cement. And there's only one way in, and I'm thinking to myself, "Well, that's your weakness there. Like, 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 like. No, it's a secure room, but we'll have air vents." And I'm yeah. like, "Well, there's there's your entry point right there. Who invented this room? Like, yeah, let's did. get the sneakers on the case, and they'll tell you. They'll give you a penetration report. <laughs> you need to close that vent." That's my Sydney Poitier. It's really good. Telling telling it. Well, you know. Um, One one other addendum, and then we'll actually start talking about the fucking show that we're building a show around. Um, (laughs) So I got to tell you, for for some crazy reason, uh, I've been watching that recent update of The Stand. That was like the ten oh, episode. Oh yeah, that, that came out to next to no fanfare. Oh sure. Is, oh uh, god, is it uh, is it bad? I'm halfway. It's the thing is, it's not terrible, and right. that's why it's it's more frustrating because mm. there are moments that are really really good, but there are just as many moments that are like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> this is stupid. Also, where's Trash Can Man? You're not going to have a Trash Can Man? What the fuck are you talking about? Um, did you not see Bomb Diddy Bomb Diddy Bomb? Um, <laughs> Matt Frewer on the four-wheeler. Uh, he has not shown up yet in the show, and that's disappointing. Um, it gets some things really right mm-hmm. about what makes the stand kind of interesting. And it it also moves the chronology around within the episodes. So like, like at the very beginning, the very first episode, the opening scene is Harold Lauder while they're already in Boulder as they're on the body crew. But is that a, is that a deliberate choice in or? Sure. Yeah. Cause they're doing lots of flashbacks and, and and so the thing that they're doing that I think is actually kind of smart is you're getting these scenes from kind of the early days of the pandemic. Yeah. And 
and then jumping forward. So you're kind of telling both halves of the book concurrently. Yeah. You know? And um, so I, I like that impulse, but it also, like, they just... N- no version of the stand has yet nailed the character Harold Lauder, who's integral to the story. Yeah, and both times they'd air, they've aired on the side of greasy weirdo, <laughs> and it's just like I understand that he's kind of a nerd and he's kind of pimply and gross and all that stuff, even in the book. But it's like, man, j- making this character this cartoonish. Yeah, is ruining the vibe of the show, and but Alexander Sarsgaard is the is Randall Flagg. I see he is, I and really like him. I I really like him as well. I'm like the fucking Northman mm-hmm. showing up as the walking dude, and I'm down for it. And there are moments when he's on screen that you're like, "Fuck, he is good at this. He is good at being a, a villain." But mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's 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 frustrating. It's a frustrating watch, and I'm gonna keep doing. It. Because I I, I want to see how where they get with it, you know, like yeah. do you do the hand of God coming down? Like how do you do the the weirdest ending in Stephen King's library, mm-hmm. where it's literally God intervening? Probably not the way that you think. I, <laughs> like, <laughs> I at that point they're just like, oh, and by the way, there's a trash can man. Yeah, I'm like, ah, oh, damn it. <laughs> oh, you got me. The stand. Um. All right, hey, you want to talk about this show? Yeah, let's let's talk about episode three. Okay, so here we go. Um, this is uh, written and directed by Issa Lopez, along with uh, Alan Page, is the mm-hmm. other writer on this who um, has done some uh, like some Walking Dead stuff and did the movie uh, Babel was a consulting. Oh yeah, a script consultant something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but has has written handful of stuff. Nothing that is gonna knock your socks off. Um, Shining Girls. Mm? <laughs> Hello, Danny. It's, Come and play with us. It's forever and ever and ever. It's just about the twins. Yep. That's uh, see, that's the spinoff that we always wanted and never got. It's the the last voyage of the Demeter <laughs> for the Shining. Uh, it, it's Monster. just on dad chopping them up and putting them in a cupboard. Um, <laughs> just keep it tidy, no? Uh, I don't know what that is. Uh, it's Charles Grady, obviously. Uh, clearly, um, clearly. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, Issa Lopez, you know, again, the driving force behind all of this, yeah. And um, uh, yeah, so we're gonna start off uh, with Navarro. Mm-hmm. Showing up, and that we're in in a flashback. We begin. Yeah, this is seven years before. Yeah, and it's the first time that Navarro meets Annie K. Is what yeah. we're saying. Uh, she shows up to arrest her or serve mm-hmm. her or something, and uh, Annie K. Is like, yeah, 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 fine, come on in. Uh, you can arrest me in a second. I got a, I got some shit to do. And she hears this woman screaming from outside, and it's like, what the fuck is going on in here? <laughs> and it, as it happens, Duncan. Mm. It is actually a uh, a midwifery, a baby hatchery of some we sort. We found out in the last episode that that's what she did as a living. Yes. In between being an activist, she was a midwife. So, And and Annie Kay kind of puts Navarro to work. Like, yeah. hey, get us some hot towels and, and so forth. 
And Navarro kind of sits back and watches as this drama unfolds mm-hmm. where Annie Kay is uh, overseeing the birth of this child. The child is born in, you know, a tub. And yeah, and they pulled the baby out and the baby's not breathing. Mm-hmm. And so we see uh, them like doing a little, you know, baby CPR uh, to staying alive, of course, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you do it that's the timing yeah and the baby comes back to life and the mother is like what's wrong with my baby oh you saved the annie k you're a miracle as as someone who has been through that experience twice and the the i will tell you right now the longest pause in the world is from the point that the baby is born to the first cry and my first child did it relatively quick my second child there it felt like an eternity before she cried and the the only problem was when she started crying she didn't stop for like three hours so <laughs> we're kind of like well, we think you broke her baby um go and go and undo what you just did there um but yeah like so like but she gets caught up in this it's not that there's a there's a kind of and it's not the first time it happens in this episode. There's a real kind of midsummer sort mm. of thing going on here where there's chanting and community. And you've got to remember, Navarro is part of this culture. We're going to get more information on this mm-hmm. later on. In fact, actually, this episode heavily leans into the fact that she's kind of straddling two worlds. This world of her heritage and this world of being someone that has travelled the world and fought in wars and all the rest and is coming back as a police officer, separate from her community. Um, but she is like fully engrossed in this. Also, made me realize, Bo, that if you ever want to get out an arrest warrant, deliver a baby. Yeah, that's why I keep one. No in the car. one's arresting you after that. You're like, look what I did. You put the cuffs on me now, and they're like, get out of here, yeah. I have so, a but... Vaseline covered baby with me yeah. at all times. <laughs> Can't talk now, officer. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> And at the at the back end of all this, Annie Kay kind of sticks out her wrist as like, yeah. "All right, now you can cuff me," and uh, it, which is a pretty nice introduction to like Annie Kay being this kind of Wonder Woman, right? Like she's an yeah. activist and helping birth children and all this stuff. She's kind of you know a perfect lady. Yeah. Uh, and I have as- a theory. I, I want to update my theory. I think I wasn't far off my theory, by the way, mm-hmm. but I'm now. I'm now doubling down. Uh, my new update on my theory is um, in this episode, there is another stillborn baby. Mm-hmm. Do we think that Annie was investigating stillborn babies as a side effect of the mining work? And she maybe got a little bit too close to the truth. And as a result was shushed because i don't i will stress this right now we're going to talk about the very end of this episode at the end of this episode um and i don't think that's what snuffs her out okay like screaming you hear at the end of this episode i don't think it's her dying because it doesn't make sense when we get to yeah 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 when we get yeah. to the the end of wreck um yeah <laughs> there is a bit of a kid uh you know this was my movie mm-hmm. um sharp heather um like, you know, like, <laughs> like <laughs> there is a, a kind of a little a little bit of that but um yeah i think there's a lot of talk about health problems mm-hmm. specifically health problems in this episode and stillborn children 
And this kid came out and didn't come out breathing. And she kind of was there to save the day. That makes me wonder if there's a wee pattern going here which escalates um, the veracity of what she is um, perpetrating her environmental pursuits. Let's put it that way. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, all right. So then we jump back to the present. It mm-hmm. is December 22nd now. The yes. fifth day of night. And we get a tip of the hat to Jaws at the beginning <laughs> of this episode. <laughs> Where Hawks and a bunch of good old boys have gone out on the ice, and Hawks is doing a a real, we're going to search every hen house, outhouse, fish house. (laughs) And and, our fugitive is wearing a pink parka. uh, But it's a real, like, a a combination of that and, like I said, the Jaws thing of a bunch of local yokels going out to. Oh, yeah, this doesn't look like this. This ends up exactly by the once again, by later on in this episode, this ends up exactly how you think it's going to end up <laughs> with Jody Foster real pissed about it. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they're all going out on the ice to hunt for Clark, who is missing. Uh, yeah. One, by the way, one of the deputies, Agent Cooper. Well yes. done, Issa Lopez. I get mm-hmm. it. Oh, she's 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 just she's having a fucking ball, yeah. and I love it. And Navarro like confronts Hawks and is like, "Hey, hey, hey! Tell these fucking morons that we've got to take Clark alive, yeah, because we need him alive." And Hawks is like, "Do we? Do, do we though? Yeah. Do we actually need him alive though? Um, yeah, it's uh." It does. I like. I like. I am so like not sure about Hank. Mm, like even more yeah. so in this episode. Like I am now. Like I. I had it that you know he was like. He's, I still think he's in the pocket of the mind. Right. Mm, I think that's for sure. like that's like it, like for sure. But I'm maybe starting to lean more towards your theory of him just being a bit of an idiot. <laughs> yeah, I. I think he's a useful idiot. I yeah. think that's the the kind of character he is. Um. Speaking of Danvers, Jody Foster is trying to get him on the radio and isn't getting any answer, yeah. which of course makes her quite happy. Yeah. Um, oh, oh, uh, just a, a, a quick note. Uh, so I'll remember it later. Um, before we cut to credits in this scene with Danvers, there is a moment where Navarro finds like an orange that's been left behind. Yeah, so these the guys ice. have arrived with a pile of oranges, which yeah. I'm sure there's like some like see in the credit sequence, mm-hmm. there's orange peel and oranges. So I'm sure that that means something, but out with the connection to scurvy, I don't know what that might be. Yeah, unsure yet, but it comes up again later. But yeah, so. Yeah. Then back to Danvers, who's trying to raise Hawks on the radio. No luck there. Uh, and then Pete uh, points out that, hey, all the files from the trailer that they found in, in the nook um, are in. Yeah, like Danvers is like looking for a fight here. Like oh, she's yeah. like, like she's like, she, she can't get Hank on the phone, which is like clearly annoyed her. And Hank's son's there. So, you know, Pete, <laughs> Pete's going to get a lot of kind of, well, like why where did you put them and he's like in the evidence room so why did you put the evidence in the evidence room like yeah it's disgusting in there dr lichter we got to move it to another room (laughs) also i'm gonna need you to dig a hole and then dig another hole to put the dirt in from the first hole and then you put the dirt from the second hole in the first hole you understand what i'm saying she she says like can you like here's like Annie's phone can you like hack the phone and he's like what makes you think I can hack a phone and she's like you're in your thirties you've got friends go and do it yeah 
that yeah, that's part of the conversation too, where she's like, I'm gonna need you to make a transfer for Navarro into our unit. Don't worry about yep. it, it's just a one time thing. Uh but yeah, the the <laughs> moment where she asked him to hack the phone, I thought was really funny. Yeah, um, and but also he's he's going to kick back on this, so he's basically he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna finally get us a little bit. I fucking love this coming up here, but he's he's gonna kind of try and pry into what is the what was the reason that Navarro was moved out of the force? Why were they no longer working together? Yeah, I I really like this, and it goes yeah. back to way back when we talked about. Um, the quote at the beginning of the first mm. episode of the unreliable narrator. And here yep. we're getting a very clear example of this, of Jodie Foster being the unreliable narrator yep. for Pete. And it's also that this is vintage true detective. Yeah. Like this is like that season one. This is the, the, like the shoot the, the, the fucking meth dealer in the head and then play it off as something else happened with this great story where they're all congratulated and all the rest even though it, you're in theory actually fucking destroyed their case mm. and their friendship or like season two the gun shoot out that's re you know that's refactored when they tell it back to the police of how that happened in season three the majority of season three like is kind of you know, like as it's kind of told through that that lens as well, and we get this here. Basically, they were partners, which we kind of thought they were, um, but they were on this this case. The, the what was it? The William Wha- Wheeler, yeah, Wheeler case. And she says, "Listen, this guy Wheeler, he beat the shit at his wife repeatedly, but we couldn't do anything because whenever we went there, he would flash this kind of sanctimonious smile on his face and basically said she'd fallen down the stairs or fallen on the ice or you know walked into a cupboard or whatever. And they knew, they knew that without her testimony, nothing could happen. And it would, you know, it was these things only end one way." And it ended exactly the way they thought it was going to, um, with them being called out to the scene of a crime to arrive and find that, he, you know, he has killed her. The beauty of this scene is that we she's telling you the version verbally and we are seeing what actually happened. Or once again, maybe her memory of what happened. But basically what she says is when we arrived there, she was dead and he had killed himself. So like a kind of murder-suicide sort of thing. Um, But what we see is Wheeler is in his chair kind of laughing. I think he's... Is he not singing that song from the beginning? Yeah, he's whistling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But is he he not singing... Is he not whistling Twist and Shout? I I couldn't quite place it. I don't think it's Twist and Shout. I'll tell you what. I'll I'll fact check us, but keep going. So he's whistling something, they come in, and basically we see the two of them standing together. Interestingly enough, we don't see who killed him, but what we do see is, if you if you pay close attention, it looks like Danvers starts to lower her gun when she sees the body, and it looks like Navarro tenses up. And knowing what their personalities are like... And how the relationship fractured after this, the assumption would be, and I'm all for True Detective doing a 180 and pulling the rug out from under my feet and showing me it was the other way around, but it kind of looks like Navarro may have put this guy down and, you know, Danvers couldn't work with her after that because she'd seen a different side of her and then got transferred out. What's really interesting about this as well is it looks like Hank may have buried 
But Hank knows the answer to this. Hank knows there's there's more going on here. Um, and maybe that's why he's still there. Because yeah. he's a he's an incompetent cop, but maybe he's been kept around because he's that useful idiot we said, but he's also holding on to this secret, which is why he like squares up to Danvers so much. Because you've got to think, if she shot him in the head with her gun, that's her bullet. So even if they staged the crime to look another way, he would have had to have her gun to shoot the bullet unless the evidence was tampered with. And you need someone else to tamper with that. They're likely going to be Hank. So makes me wonder, Bo. Makes me wonder. Yeah. Yeah, it, it it's really an interesting and, and kind of fun scene. Yeah. Um and but it's and- also why they would end up you can imagine like from a Danvers point of view, someone who is I mean has a temper, but she does kinda she's the alpha in the situation. Mm-hmm. To have your partner fly off the rails and do something so reckless as that, like egregiously break the law, she's all for blood on the line. So she's going to try and do it once or twice in this episode. But like to like basically cold bloody, cold blooded murdered someone, you can see why Danvers would be like, I can't work with you anymore. I don't want to, you know. Obviously, we've got a relationship, so I don't want you off the force. But you can't work in the same, you can't work in the same precinct as me. So it transfers her out. Um, yeah, so, and as Pete is leaving after this conversation, do you uh, think Pete bought it because I like I kind of think he was like mm. i I think not entirely, yeah, because i I think he understands that sometimes she just lies to him, you know? yeah <laughs> um like like you know, Danvers is many things, but one one thing one of those things is that if she believes that she's doing a thing for the right reason, yeah. She'll do some kind of horrible shit. Yeah, uh, but we'll, yeah, well, I've, I have had a character revelation about her as well. So we'll we'll get to that yeah. in a minute. But anyway, so yeah, he's taken off in Danvers. Is like I'm gonna need you to tell your dad to get rid of those hillbilly friends, or I'm calling immigration on his mail order bride. Yeah, which is terrific. <laughs> yeah, it's also such a fucking de- like she can see Peter's face. Yeah. As well, like you know, what I mean, he's got a, he's got a, like a welt on the side of his face, right? And she knows where that's come from, and she's putting him back in the position of being her mouthpiece to his dad, which is not doing him any favors at all. No, it's a real fucked up thing to do. Yeah, yeah, it's such a dick move. Yeah, well, yeah, but that's kind of like Danvers is not a bad person. But she does really petty shit. Yeah. It's it's, it's that... It's ownership, isn't it? Yeah. Really. Yeah, yeah. It's it's her, like, I'm going to have my way and I'm going to manipulate the people around me. Mm -hmm. Because I'm doing what's right for them or best for them. Yeah. Whether they want me to do that or not, you know? I I mean, it it goes back to the, like, uh, you know, her daughter-in-law... Uh, or well, Pete's wife being like, you know, save your fa- your favors for your own family. Yeah, like quit fucking <laughs> around in everybody else's business. But anyway, this is where we go to Navarro, who's out on the ice, and she's you know looking for Clark or something, and it just tosses the orange, and yeah. wouldn't you know it, Duncan, someone or something in the dark, uh, bounces it right back at her. So this is the shining. Yeah. Like, this is, like, straight up some shining shit, right? Yeah. Um, 
But I also wonder if I've got I've got I've also got a theory on Navarro, right? Uh-huh. As well. Um like we don't know if we don't know if something rolls it back or if she just loses track. Like she is like of all the people, she's the one that's everything supernatural that's happened in the show has only happened to her by herself. Okay. All right. Yeah. I'm with you. you and especially mean? with the history in her family. And I think I think her and her sister both have the same affliction. I just think they view it differently. Yeah. And if we are talking about a show that's that's toying with the ideas about unreliable narrators, that would certainly fit as well. That's how you that's how you do it. What's interesting about this one is I think like her interactions with Rose, I think have kind of focused I think she's I think she's in part she has a bit of mental health issues, but I also think Rose their friendship, their kinship is because I think Rose sees in her that she has the ability to potentially commune across the void because holding the kid, this is I we think this is Danvers kid. Um like holding a like a basically appears in front of her. Um he seemingly has rolled this orange and then runs away. She tries to chase after him. She slips on the ice, like basically knocks herself out mm-hmm. and then wakes up in the Gulf War in Afghanistan, maybe wherever she served, she wakes up there and Holden is there as well. And Holden is speaking backwards, like right out of fucking Twin Peaks. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, like, but not only is he speaking backwards, the writing on his jammies is backwards, his pajamas, the writing, the text is all backwards as well. So I'm like, what are we fucking doing here? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm, I, I, I'm most likely going to be wrong on this one what i think he says is let's rock um he doesn't say that he doesn't say that yeah but um he says something he says tell my mum," and then he says I, something i think it cuts right we intentionally cannot hear what comes after tell my mommy well he, say, he says he says listen tell my mum," which is interesting because the woman whose head was like fucking exploded in that scene she also went up to her and said listen Right, and then there's a later scene in this episode where, when she's talking about what how she fills her time up, she says that she prays, and we'll get into that scene later on. But Danvers kind of almost ridicules her a little bit, and she says, "Oh, you talk to God," and she says, "I don't talk to God, I listen." Mm -hmm. So this idea of listening to the dead, maybe, Mm -hmm. as an as as like something that's kind of maybe circling Navarro, which once again would explain why all the supernatural shit. Is happening to her, but she wakes up on the ice with a. She has a bump in the head, um, and she she gets up. Her phone's fucking going, uh-huh. and this is this is Danvers basically saying, "I have nineteen boxes of shit, and there ain't no way I'm looking at it myself." So get your ass to Mars. Yeah, so she heads back to the the station, and they basically are sorting through the evidence and arranging it and rearranging it and linking things together it's all you know sort of a montage sort of thing also they're missing like they're, they're missing a great opportunity for um a little bit of a kind of montage uh bike scene from um tv's it mm-hmm. say it's all right it's all right say it's all right 
it's at least you'd be like putting out the, the photos of all these murdered people, mm-hmm. like all around, just like high fiving, you like tapping each other on the back, like p- pretending to be a bull. Yeah, as they <laughs> charge a, a little, a little cape. The bull scene. Yeah, this episode would have fucking leveled up, bro. Um, yeah. But yeah, like they they're, they're setting this up and they're working their way around. And after a bit of time of work, working their way around, I think they realise that the they actually don't really have anything. And this is right. where we, you know, like, really don't. They just have a lot of pictures, which I've always wondered how, like, that's how my brain would work. If I had everything, like, down there, I would just be like, photos. <laughs> I see lots of photographs. Um, but, 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 um, whilst they're doing this, Danvers, weirdly, with her connection to the kids, spots a photograph where Annie Key's wearing an Ariara. Ariana Grande top, and mm-hmm. she's like, ah, so this one must have been taken after 2016. And she's like, how do you know that? And she's like, well, she released that album in 2016. And I'm like, is Danvers listening to Ariana Grande? <laughs> like, she's well, she's like Holmes, where she knows like the specific color of ash. Yeah, you know. <laughs> well, uh, clearly like, that is uh, Rich Harry Blend, uh, Doctor Lecter. I do. I do like while 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 they're like while they're doing this thing here. She keeps like Danvers keeps doing the ask the question. Yeah, and and she's like, I'm not playing this fucking. Shit. You can just tell Navarro's lived through this before. Like, yeah. she's like I'm not playing this fucking Doctor Lecter bullshit with you. Is or are rather yeah. Jodie Foster's socks the most comfortable looking socks you've ever seen oh d- dear god almighty i wanted a pair um yeah, I, I mean i know that's a weird thing to notice in this scene but they're as they're kind of barefoot moving around the evidence uh-huh. i was like man those look warm yeah i like i looked down at my very comfy slippers and realized how inadequate they were yeah um yeah they, uh. they look really comfy but they so basically they have this photo of our kind of 2016 which would put her in the timeline on the run-up to her death and also when approximately she would have been seeing Clark. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have that, and then they start, they're like, right, we know she's got blue in her hair at this point. She dyed her hair blue. So let's start looking for photographs where she's got blue hair and she's in photos with Clark. And they start piecing this together, and then they come across one photo where it's not a selfie. Mm-hmm. Someone has taken it from a distance and, like, someone knew about this relationship. So let's continue doing it. And then it's Navarro that steps up here. Navarro gets one and she notices there's a blue smudge, mm-hmm. a specific kind of blue smudge, very similar to the hair color. And she's like, son of a fucking bitch. Um, and then they go off. Like, well, so they go off. We have that. to uh, also address, Duncan, the moment where Pete shows up yeah, and pokes his head in. And uh, Navarro is like, you better run, Pete. Uh, and he, uh, when uh, he finally takes off, uh, Danvers is like, "Hey, quit making jokes about me robbing the cradle and shit around Pete." Yeah, uh, I'm I'm trying to keep that iron in the fire. And- do we think? Do, like, do it like see this question? Do we think she is? Do we think she's interested that way in him? I think maybe. I'm leaning the other way. I'm leaning the, this is the son I lost, and he happens to be in the same profession as me, so I'm guiding him. But I also would not argue with anyone that says serial shagger Danvers is striking again. Uh, Well, I like the fact that at one point, Jodie Foster is like, look, uh, 
you know, this is some, it, it, it's later on when she's talking about being mm. on Tinder. Yeah. And she says, well, I don't fuck where I eat. And yeah. Danvers or uh, Navarro is like, you mean anymore? Yeah. Because also, like, also, your boss was here like a night ago and you slept with him. Right. And <laughs> she's like, keep that quiet. Nobody knows about me fucking Doctor Who. And she's like, everybody knows that you're fucking Doctor Who. <laughs> I mean, first, you're constantly humming the song from the show. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. said he's like a, a TARDIS, bigger yeah. on the outside. <laughs> um, she wants to play with his Dalek. <laughs> right, um, right. That you, you had a, a sonic sc- a screwdriver of your own with him. Yeah. And she's like, nobody knows about that. And she's like, everybody knows about that. And yeah. But then they get around to asking the question of like, well, okay, speaking of secret relationships, why did Annie K keep the relationship with Clark secret? What, yeah. what about that was a problem? Mm-hmm. And uh, so then, yeah, we go from Navarro uh, or from uh, them at the station to them at Navarro's uh, friend Susan. Yeah. Who is the the one who dyed Annie's hair? She's a, she, yeah, she's a work from her own home hairdresser. Yes. And Navarro's going to ask her about the question. And w- in a scene that kind of tells you that Danvers isn't all bad and all prickly. Yeah, and also I think she's like inherently practical. Like this is how you know that these two work together for a while. Because the instantly, like she instantly knows, listen, Navarro is the one that has a relationship here. She's the one that's going to get the answers out here. Yeah. Like, I need to make myself useful. How I make myself useful is interacting with kids, which she apparently is really good at, which is, yeah. links back to that holding thing. She lost a kid about this kid's age. Mm-hmm. Um, and she knows all, like, she's kept in tune with all this kind of, like, like like all, all the names, of all these cartoon characters, and all the rest, and she notes that this kid's wearing a a particular cartoon unicorn, and she knows all about that. So she kind of takes the kid away, so Navarro can question. Come with me, little girl. We're gonna make some mac and cheese. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. I got you now. It's all right. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> and and uh, well, and then Navarro has her talk with Susan. And and Susan reveals some actually genuinely interesting information. She moves the case forward for yeah. us. And she was like, yeah, I used to cut hair up at Salal, um, and Annie wanted to go with me. And Weird and, detail. It kept insisting, is how she put yeah, it. Yeah, weird that, detail. Almost as, almost as if, almost as if she wanted to make a connection there mm-hmm. to find that maybe if mining... I don't know, mining practices could contribute to stillbirths from a scientist bow, from a fucking scientist bow. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's where she meets Clark. Yeah. And he was immediately fixated on the spiral tat that she yes. had. And we confirmed it was that tattoo in particular. We also find out where the idea came from, from the spiral tat. Yeah, she dreamed it, Duncan. <sighs> She dreamed it, and the dream stopped when she got the tattoo. It's literally, how I buy things. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm in my bed, and I, I've said this before. Like the the one that was the most kind of prominent for I had this recurring dream for about the best part of two months, uh, circa two thousand and five. 
Um, and it was of the ending of the movie, The Last Broadcast, and I bought the the VHS of The Last Broadcast because it wasn't out of DVD at the time. I bought an ex-rental version of it um, from like a blockbuster, and the day I bought it, I stopped dreaming about it. Oh, wow. That's interesting. And it has happened with other things, like small purchases. Nothing, nothing like extravagant, like a, like a Ferrari or anything like that. Or a child. But like, I'll have a, yeah, or a child. Um, <laughs> but there, there will be occasions where <clears throat> I'll have recurring dreams about a movie or like something I've read, or, like a book that I read years ago, like when I was at school or whatever. And as soon as I buy it, I stop thinking about. It. Huh, that's interesting. Strange. Yeah, I, I don't know how I would solve that. Like all my recurring dreams are about varieties <laughs> of cookie. And which is really the best. Bake the cookies, Bo. I guess I I should. Uh, You know, snickerdoodles on my mind. (laughs) Um, Yeah, like, so as soon as she she got this tattooed on her, the -hmm. dreams stopped. But our buddy Clark was hella obsessed with it. Well, and Navarro asked her, like, hey, was he, like, a a freak? And she was like, yeah, I mean, he was weird, and he was quiet, but he really was into Annie, and he was a nice guy. Yeah, he also, at this point, he hadn't went cray-cray. Right. And she also mentions that there's um, a guy named Oliver. Yeah, uh, the, I nowhere. She was like, yeah, I was dating someone from up there. Yeah. That's Oliver, whatever. And they were like, Tagak, no... I think is his name. Yeah, they're like, there's who? And she was like, oh, yeah, he left. Actually, he left just before Annie died. Mm-hmm. And we're like, uh-huh. And they're like, well, so where the fuck is this guy? Yeah. And they're like, and and Susan's like, oh, he's just out on the ice somewhere. No, he yeah. doesn't want to be found. And uh, and then one last tidbit is uh, she's like, you know, I've mentioned this before. I, I called and left an anonymous tip about Clark. Yeah. And uh, also, by the way, it was so weird that Annie was always trying to keep this secret yeah so annie that was trying to keep it secret right not clark it was annie who was very much trying to keep all of this on the down low and so the danvers and navarro are are then headed back and yeah but also navarro was so fucking pissed off because she's like that hank suppressed this yeah Right, and and they're arguing about, like, well, why did he bury the report? What was in it for him? Mm-hmm. And this is where Danvers drops that she's on Tinder. Yeah. Um, <laughs> As you do. Yeah. Like, she tries, she tries to create some small talk, and it's... Like, she asks if she's still fucking the guy with the dogs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, she basically... Um, and the was like, eh, like that. and she's like, you still sleeping with fucking Doctor Who and she's like, no, I don't fucking shit where I eat. <laughs> she's like, anymore? Yeah. Um, and we get all this stuff that comes out here, but this is where I was starting to think Hank is a useful idiot. Yeah. Well, and we, I was like, that, the mind just said suppress that. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And the, and uh, this is also the moment you talked about earlier where um, Navarro talks about how she prays and listens. Yeah, and she specifically says that she listens. Um, But then she gets super goth and is like, you ever just want to disappear? Just open the door and start walking? And Danvers is like, what? No. Are are you crazy? And she's like, not not like like a suicidal way, which, by the way, is exactly what her sister does later on in this episode. Yes. Walks out nice. So I think... I think Navarro 
has a version of what her sister has. Yeah, I, I think that's probably a good call. Um, oh, so we go back to... God, man, there, there are like three scenes of this show, uh, or this episode, that I dearly love, and one is mm-hmm. coming up. Um, so Pete is watching over the slowly thawing pile of bodies. <laughs> Still. <laughs> and and uh, John Hogg shows up and seems like he's trying to make a little bit of peace here. And it's like handing over some ice skates he found for Pete's kid. Yeah. And just as this like nice moment between father and son is going down, in come Danvers and Navarro like rolling in. Yeah. To beat the band. And yeah, like, and Navarro comes in fucking hot. <laughs> immediately gets in his face about like, how dare you followed up on the, why, why didn't you follow up on this phone call that you got? You got an anonymous report and you did nothing with it. And, uh, you know, so they're arguing back and forth. Danvers gets in between them. Yeah, Danvers basically shuts down Navarro. Then Danvers goes in on Hank. This scene's fucking amazing. (laughs) Right, but in short, it's just like, just just do your fucking job, all right? Yeah. And uh, then Hawks fires back about, like, stop trying to Mrs. Robinson Pete. Yeah, and then she just throws her drink on him. Which she is throws a cup of hot coffee yeah. in his face. <laughs> yeah, and so Hawks leaves at that point. Navarro is now pissed off because yeah. uh, Danvers didn't do more to him for yeah. the, this breach. Well, she says she says if you don't get your if you don't get your hunter friends off the ice, I'm going to bring you up in negligence. Yeah, right, and. Uh, but Navarro is pissed about that, and she storms off. And then Pete's like, "Hey, who is who is Mrs. Robinson?" Yeah, you know, he didn't have a clue for this one. Also, on top of this as well, in that scene with Pete and um, Hank, Pete says to Hank, "Do you know what happened with that Wheeler case?" Yeah, and Hank, like she, like you can tell he knows something. Yeah, from the way he acts in this one. So I think we probably will get something. In the next three episodes, that shows because that's what we do. We'll show the split up, but like the kind of fallout of the the Wheeler case and how essentially Hank played into that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like um, this is the second time Hank's been warned about getting these militia friends off the ice, and um, the next time we see these militia friends, everything is gone, as we would say in the UK. Pete Tong, <laughs> uh, rhyming slang for wrong. Yeah. Um, we would just so, say yeah, every- uh, tits up here in the states. Yeah, t- tits up, tits McGee. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> uh, when in Rumble. So, uh, so <laughs> this is where Pete pitches, which I think is a great idea. I think, uh, like Pete, I think is secretly maybe the best character as far as a human being. Like he's the most put uh, Pete, together Pete's, person. But yeah, well, I also think Pete's a complete. Well, I think Pete lets everyone walk over him. Yeah, I guess that's even true. his wife yeah. later on. His his wife walks over him. I think he's the only one that is kind of determined to be a good guy. Yeah, yeah. So like, he's the wholesome one. He's the one that the system. He's the only cop that the system hasn't broken yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's I mean? certainly not cynical. Like he is no. not a cynical bone in his body. Will be by the end when he realizes his wife's head's in a box. Um, John Doe's got the upper hand, bro. Um, so, uh, don't open the box, Dr. Lecter. <laughs> y- you might find it delicious, but yeah, like, so he 
like he is, he is the, f- the fact he is not picking up any of the conversation and comment. The fact he isn't, he's so naive that he doesn't understand everyone's basically saying Dan versus a cougar. Right. She wants to next. fuck you. Like, she <laughs> wants to fuck your young hot body. Uh, but he he's like, hey, I've got some bad news for you. Uh, the forensic examiner isn't going to be able to make it because of all these storms happening. Mm. Uh, he's like, but I've got an idea. And she's like, all right, hit me. And he's like, well, I've got a, a buddy of mine that's a veterinarian. I think it's his cousin. It, it turns out to yeah. be his cousin. He yeah, doesn't yeah. introduce him like that, yeah. which I think is very funny. That he's like, I've got, I, I know someone who's a veterinarian that's yeah. like, well, this is my cousin. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but Danvers is like, I really, really thoroughly hate this idea. Yeah. <laughs> but also, I have no choice. So get your weird vet buddy in here. And uh, so then we go back to Navarro being out on the ice and mm-hmm. very quickly uh, finds Kavik, her her uh, man friend. Yeah. Her Who big hunk of Alaskan beef. Yeah. Uh, out there just oiling himself on the ice. Uh, dude, we get an honest to goodness quid pro quo, Clarice. Well, literally, we literally get Silence of the Lambs in this. Yes. I fucking love it. Yes. Because uh, Navarro's like, hey, I'm looking for Oliver Tagak. Do you know where he is? And he's like, yeah, I guess I'll ask around. But if I do, you've got to do something for me. Quid pro quo, Navarro. <laughs> you have to tell me something about yourself. Which is, again, the Silence yep. of the Lambs. Like, yep. you, Tell me something about you, Navarro. <laughs> So tell me, is your sister still screaming? Um, well, he basically asks about her mum. Yeah. Now, th- this is. I don't know how well I, I like this. Like, I I feel for big sexy fucking hunk man, right? Because he clearly does not want to be in the friend zone, right? Mm-hmm. And he's essentially emotionally blackmailing her to learn about her. As, like, some sort of currency that, well, if I know more about her, maybe we can grow closer. When he is not picking up that Navarro isn't really interested in that. Yeah, he's trying to force them into a relationship she does not want. Yes. She wants to fuck him and, and, uh, you know, be friendly with him, but... yes. That's it. And he's like... And he also thinks this is going to make them closer together by asking about his mum... Uh, her mum, which is like maybe the most painful experience of her life. Let me just, it's like, it's like tell me about the mother. Um, it's like, like full on fucking trauma central. Um, but you get, you get the story about essentially the, the broken home that she grew up in, the horrific broken home, which um, on one hand, you have a mother who has severe uh, mental health problems and a father who was an alcoholic, like an, fucking quasi-child abuser. Um, and this is the world that she grew up in. But also, because of that, she didn't... Because of that, she's kind of... This is a straddling of the two worlds that I was talking about. And that all the stuff that would have given her her heritage or well, Alaskan... Her her mother was the victim of a an unsolved murder. Well, yeah, we're gonna get to that. Um, we're gonna get. That's why she became a cop. Well, right. Um, well, and I mean, and and that this is the point where she's like, you know, she never told me my uh, Inupiaq name. But this is it. Like, she yeah. never like she ne- she's so this whole connection to this place that she's at 
This is like that. She's the, there's a part of her that has become. This is why she is the protector mm-hmm. of all these women. You know what I mean? All these Ennis women, like that, she sees being beaten, murdered with no interest and in all the rest, because her mother was one. Right? Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, so, so like, but for whatever reason, big, big, sexy fishermen's like that. I'm so getting it wet later <laughs> on. Um, and by that he means sticking his rod in the water to fish. Yes. Because um, you yeah. get none of that. So, yeah, he got his answer about the mom and and promises to check into Oliver Tagak. Um, we cut over to Leah, mm. who we have not really seen in this episode yet. And she's meeting up with her girlfriend at an anti-mine rally that seems to be hosted by the Anupiak locals. Yes, and it's a real like moment of awakening for Leah where she's kind of surrounded by native people who are talking about defending the land and mm-hmm. chanting we were here first and um like it's a real like philosophical shift for her of Well she walks in and someone says Are you not the the chief's daughter and she's like I'm I'm really sorry and she's like no 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 all are welcome yeah. like all the like there's like, there's no hate here at all all are welcome um, so she gets kind of indoctrinated into their group. Um, I'm kind of going back on the... I thought Danvers was being like kind of a little bit racist <laughs> in the previous I, episode. Yes. And I think in this episode, I think I think we realise that the Annie K case actually has stuck with her quite a bit. I, I think... I, I, she sees her adopted daughter starting to manifest specific the lines in her chin i think it's it's the scene is interspersed with like her looking at crime photos mm-hmm. but it's the lines on her chin and the environmental activism and all the rest is basically fulfilling fulfilling the prophecy of becoming the next danny k yeah and i i think that makes that some of the shit that she does which is really like short-sighted and kind of closed-minded but also understandable because it goes back to her saying if you want to know what killed annie ennis killed annie like nobody was ever gonna solve that yeah and that as you said this is what she is this is what danvers is seeing ahead of leah yeah she she's seen the other side of it Right. The same with the, the the you know the making the sex video with her schoolmate, like like it's like you know it was just a bit of fun and all the rest. Danvers has clearly come across cases before where that stuff goes on the internet, or she knows how that story ends. So she's looking beyond that, and as a result, it's kind of almost minority report, kind of you know punishing her mm-hmm. for something that hasn't happened by essentially extrapolating by this this could go to this could go to this and then you're fucked or right. you're dead well i mean that's the whole scene of her freaking out about uh, leah talking to the grandmother and all that yeah. of just like w- stay away from this not because she wants to like rob her of her culture yeah but because the way she sees it yes her culture is a high risk group yeah, for a crime, and that's how she's processing: is how do I keep you safe? 
yeah. there is such a well written character. Yeah, like, such a well written and like it's it's rolling out. So like I said in the previous episode, I, I, I had a particular view on her, but in this episode, it softened a little bit in between the huge amounts of manipulation and um, like, as we'll get in a minute where she just clearly asks a vet to like break the law. <laughs> oh, like, I love it so much. It's my favorite thing in the whole episode. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but all right. But to to, yep. to finish this conversation we were having about the the previous scene, like yeah, Leah comes home and is changing into the like rally shirt. Danvers sees her changing, mm-hmm. and it that's the point where she grabs her and is like, "Wash that shit off your face," and and yeah, and and it's a moment where, as a viewer, you understand like, oh, she is, she's trying to protect her. Like it's yeah. fucked up what she's doing. But it's a, I also understand it. Yeah. Uh, which, as you said, is a son of a great character when you're like, I, I don't agree with her yeah. in, in the moment, but I agree with her as a parental figure, you know? Yeah. She's, uh, a, real, she's a real person. Right. People behave like that. So. Yeah. Um, so Navarro is leaving Kavix, and this is where she sees uh, the boy on the ice. Mm-hmm. And has the vision with the kid with the polar bear with the one eyed under his arm and the listen tell you need to tell my mommy something. Mm-hmm. And then she wakes up because uh her sister is having a good old fashioned freak out yeah. after leaving the diner. Um and she immediately finds her, I guess. She's like, I know you, which I thought was a little bit of a uh all right, fine, you know. The writing on that one, I was like, yeah. eh, that's a little too cool. Also, like, the coolest set piece ever. This is the frozen lake. This is the boat that's just... This is this is the fucking terror. There's just yeah. a boat frozen in the ice. And that's where she goes to sit. Yeah. And, you know, they hug and cry. And, and Julie admits, like, you know, sometimes I think bad stuff sometimes. Mm. And she's like, I know. And, you know. Um, so that's really kind of it for that scene. Yeah. I think I think that's going to come ahead. I think that something bad's going to happen to the sister. I think. Yeah, they, I that think feels kinda, right. There's a foreboding nature of that where she's just not going to be there in time to save her the next time. Or Navarro does something to sacrifice herself for her sister. Yeah, so that could also. Yeah, I could see that. Um. All right. So the, Pete gets home, tries to slip into bed, but immediately <laughs> knocks over a light because he's kind God of a damn it, Pete. Look, uh, look, he's got too much hawks in him to ever yeah. <laughs> fully succeed at, at being sneaky. Um, but it, then he checks in on the baby, and uh, his wife is like, hey, I'm going to go ahead and get up because I've got a test today anyway. And uh, there, there's a, a whole conversation about... Yeah, this is to me the, the bit where I realize that everyone bosses Pete. Yeah. Because she says a comment which... I know it's probably it comes from a nice place, but she's like, "You're you're a different person," and he's like, "No, I'm a, you, I was always a police officer." And she's like, "No, no, no. The person I met was, you know, like he was uh, fun and dumb, you mm-hmm. know." And he's like, "That, but I, like, but what happens if I don't want to be fun and dumb? You know, I want to be like, like a competent." But and she's just she's kind of like, well, "You've changed on me," and. It's kind of making him feel guilty. Although this is completely undermined three seconds later. And she's kind of making him feel guilty for wanting to be good at, at something. Right. 
and like to you follow said, this case through. Yeah, right. Like he seems determined to be a good cop. Yeah, which again undermined immediately because he's starting get to get texts from Danvers just four like, in the morning. Right. Well, hey, what do you know about Oliver Tagak? You got any <laughs> leaks yet? And <laughs> he's just four like, in the morning. Damn it! And and just kind of ignores it and goes to bed. And uh, we get a, a, a nice little scene of, like, everybody kind of shutting down for the day where yeah. Navarro's tucking Jules in. Danvers is just lying in bed staring up at the ceiling thinking about how shitty the world is or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, then it is now December 23rd, the sixth day of night. Mm-hmm. And Danvers immediately shows up at Pete's while there is this kind of wake happening for the stillborn child. Yeah. And it, as you pointed out earlier, it's this kind of chanting, really solemn moment. And Danvers is surprisingly respectful and quiet and kind of stays on the perimeter and isn't starting any shit. Mm-hmm. Um, she also moved by this, though. Like, it, it, yes. get, it gets to her. Yes. And as a result, when she goes to the bathroom to get, like, some water, and she turns the tap on, and this grease sludge comes out. You know, this is like this is a, this is the the real life effect of what these these indigenous people are going through. Mm-hmm. So she's like like it kind of weirdly humanizes her for a split second. Yeah, um, yeah. She seems like she's in the right headspace for about thirty seconds, and then that'll mm-hmm. all go away. <laughs> uh, so Pete's uh, veterinary uh, cousin. Uh, yeah is looking over the pile of bodies <laughs> fucking great this, great scene, but he's like, he's like, he's like, <laughs> he is so clearly like out of his depth and knows it and it's yeah, just like he, i just want to go home what do you well, need me to he, do he says to him do you think he tried to claw his own eyes and he's like how how long have you been staring at this <laughs> that is so good how long have you been looking at this a long time i bet um and when danver shows up though he's like hey i look this is not my thing Yep. But I will tell you that uh, my guess is that they were dead before they froze, because mm-hmm. when when you go when you die on the ice, it's kind of weirdly peaceful, and all of these people look like they're screaming. <laughs> like camera pans and it's all like, right. <laughs> like fucking. And he says, "Look, if I had a guess, and this is just a guess, everybody understand, <laughs> this is just a guess." But my guess is that they died of heart Mole-men. attacks. That's what I'm guessing. Molman. There was Hans Molman. <laughs> He was the one who did it on the ice with the candlestick. Uh, but he's like, I, I think that they died of heart attacks induced by fright. Yeah. Because I've seen this with caribou. Like, you see this look on their face. Like I've saw. seen this with caribou. Like, right in the mm-hmm. opening scene, Bo. What are we doing here right now, ladies and gents? And this is where uh, he's like, look, you know, I couldn't tell more without actually doing so an autopsy. Awesome. <laughs> And she's like, yeah, that'd be uh, a terrible idea. I mean, you wouldn't do it, right? And <laughs> and he's like, no, that'd be illegal. And she's like, oh, yeah, sure. I mean, I'm, well, of, of course, course I'm, I'm just kidding. Of course I wouldn't ask you to do it. She totally was going to do it. <laughs> oh, yeah. If she could have got away, like, we, yes. we could hide it. Like, if you just do it on one of them. Um, like, just, like, the it's, one that's most messed up. Dude, it's so good. I love that moment of her, like, I mean, you wouldn't, you wouldn't do it, though, right? Like, like. All he's got to do is say, yes, he'll do it. And this motherfucker's <laughs> getting cut open, you know? Yeah. 
Like it's oh, I love it so much. It is my favorite thing in this whole <laughs> whole episode. It is the best. And then uh, Navarro shows up mm-hmm. and is like, "Oh, hey, by the way, I found Tagak." And it's like, "Well, that was fucking quick. How'd that happen?" Yeah, and also Pete's like, "But he, he wasn't. He doesn't exist. He's right. not in the database. Doesn't have a national security number. He doesn't have that like, social security number. He doesn't have like all these things." And she's she's like, "Yep, he lives at nice out whatever commune it is." And then she's like that. Not everything's on a computer. What does she keep calling them? Freshman. Young. Yeah. yeah not, not everything's on a computer, freshman. Yeah. Um, and so they're going to go off and track down this guy who I'm just going to say just now is mentally unstable. Oh, um, yeah. He's the, he's a, he's a, he's one of those survivalism guys. And uh, yeah, they call it the Mucklock ter- Telegraph, she says. That's how she mm-hmm. finds him. And uh, so... Navarro uh, has found him in this like remote ass village, and they immediately go out there, um, in into the middle of nowhere on the ice. And as soon as they get there, a couple of guys show up that are like, "The fuck you doing here?" You know, yeah. like it's a real <coughs> yeah. <laughs> and Navarro's like, "Hey, we're looking for Oliver Tagak. Um, he is not a suspect in anything." I want to make that clear. Uh, we just need to talk to him. We're not. We're not trying to cause any trouble here. And they, uh, you know, like he's got this cabin kind of thing. They motion to it without saying he's there. You're right. He may be there. He may not be there. They say. And they, uh, they like go to the door and they knock on it a couple of times. Once again, Danvers does another. You wouldn't do this, would you? Um, right. Like straight away. <laughs> Like, Where she's like, she didn't get she didn't get our answer to break like to bend the rules and break the law five minutes ago, so she's just gonna do it anyway. Yeah, no, it's it's totally her just like saying loud so someone else can overhear. Like, yeah, oh, what's that? Come on in, I got you. And <laughs> they open the door. It's so dumb. They open the door, and there's Oliver Tagak sitting in a chair with a with gun, a, with a big old fucking gun, right? Like a big rifle, and. Uh, he's like, I I think you guys should leave. And they're like, you know what? We should, but we need to ask you about Annie Kay. And he's like, what about her? And uh, they're like, well, you, you know, you saw her when she was still alive. And also all of your old colleagues are now dead too. But yeah, he doesn't want to answer on that. And they're like, well, maybe want to answer. He's like, um, he said something. They're like, well, maybe we'll bring you in. He's like, bring me in for what? And he's like, to find out what you know about the deaths at the Salah station. He's like, what deaths at the station? And she's like, all oh, your colleagues are dead. And he visibly looks shocked. Yeah. And he, he asks specifically, like, oh, even Lund? Yeah. And they're like, no, 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 he's not dead. He's at the hospital. He <laughs> may as well be when we see him. Right. <laughs> Fuck's uh-huh. sake. <laughs> he's in rough shape, Duncan. Um, And then Tagak orders them out of his place at the end of the gun and is like, don't ever come back here. Yeah. And uh, they, as they're leaving, uh, is it Tagak who asks him about Annie's real name? <coughs> Excuse me. When they first, he asks specifically about Navarro's yeah. um, name, and he's like, that maybe you've forgotten it, and she kind of doesn't want to answer, and Danvers is like, yo, 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 look at me, look at me, answer the question. And once again, this is the straddling the two worlds. Yeah. Like, you can see it's, it weighs on her. It weighs heavy on her. Um, well, Danvers all- asks her about it, yeah. and she's like, you wouldn't understand. So there's no yeah. point in getting into this conversation. 
but they get back in the truck and they get a call that Lund is awake, by the way. And so they throw on the reds and blues and the siren yep. and they are hauling ass across the ice to get to this poor son of a bitch. Oh my and, good God. Dude, it's such a, a tasty treat of a buildup here. Yeah. Because they the, the first person they encounter, Duncan, is a nurse. And uh, she's like, look, yeah. she, he's a little agitated right now. And he's, <laughs> how do I put this? Hard to look at. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. And uh, they go in there and he is like, I mean, it's like uh, the fucking guy from Seven. You know, yeah, he's, me- he's messing. He's messing his legs. Uh-huh. He's, one like, arm. I think he's got one arm amputated. His yeah. other hand is like his fingers are all frostbitten. They're all black. His eyes are basically. He's blind now. His eyes yeah. are now. He looks like a fucking ice walker from fucking Game of Thrones. His eyes are like blue. He looks like his he's nose- been life forced. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it look like he's been life forced. There's Patrick Stewart when you need him. Uh-huh. Uh, his nose is oh, all a little black kissy, as kissy. <laughs> That's how the vampires work in this. We do a little kissy kissy. His nose is all blackened <laughs> as well. And um like, like <laughs> it's like it, you look at it at at this dude and you're like, you need to be dead. Yeah. Like this well, this like, should be over for you. This is too yeah, much. Yeah, like, for... you, you do like don't come, sometimes don't come back. <laughs> right. Um, Some, sometimes they shouldn't come back. It's um, uh, it's, it's like um it's, once again it reminded me of Silence of the Lambs where they get like when uh, Lecter cuts off the guy's face and puts it over, and they're like, "That's Pamry, goddammit, speak to him." And he's like, "Hey, you're looking real good, Pamry. <laughs> looking yeah. real good there." <laughs> Little do they know it's really me, Doctor. And that scene would be completely diffused if he's like, "You're looking real good there, Pamry," and all you had was, "Hee hee." <laughs> what if what if there was an actual turn to camera? Like, guess what? They think. <laughs> That's that's the as that's, that's the the heartbreak with a bet you're wondering how I ended up here. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 yeah. Um so anyway, they go in there and Lund is screaming and shit. And then um he, he basically tells them that she's awake. Right. Uh, we, we woke her and now she's yeah. out in the ice. Yes, not on the ice, in, in the, the ice. In the ice. Uh and she says uh, he says uh, she came for us in the dark, and as he's howling now, yeah, they're like, "Oh, hey, there's a bunch of these, yeah, assholes from the well, eyes." Did, did, all- did you did you did you know that earlier on, like yesterday, there was all these guys, these kind of hunter guys with guns and alcohol and oranges, just out on the ice, just run the well, muck. I, I mean, I don't suppose you warned anyone. Like Hank is clearly going to get Hank is going to be in a lot of trouble in the next episode. I can't wait. Yeah, but like she's like, fuck. So Danvers, Danvers is going to go up against all these fucking armed militias herself, and she's like to Navarro, she's like, you keep an eye on him. If he speaks, I want to know what he says. You stay here. So she goes away to take care of business, and I like once again, fearless badass. Like she walks right in. There's all these kind of guys in hunter gear and that swinging round pots, and she's right up there with the cuffs, slamming people into walls, oh, cuffing them. Yeah, throwing the cuffs on people, throwing elbows. Like Danvers yeah. <laughs> does not take shit from anyone ever. That I mean, that is if if there are two rules of yes. Duncan and Bo come correct, it is you should be fucking. And number two is Danvers does not take shit from anyone no. ever. 
Like she 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 like lays down the law hard. But while she's doing that, once again, when Navarro is left by herself, mm-hmm. she uh witnesses uh Lund be apparent oh not at first. At first, we get a good old fashioned Halloween corpse sitting oh, yeah, up in like, bed. He, he, a real Michael Myers bump, sits up. Bum Yeah. Bum bum. <laughs> totally sits up in the background, and then the camera pans round, and as they're panning background, basically he tells her that he has spoken to her mother on the other side. Talks to her by name. Calls her by name, Evangelina Navarro. Yeah. yeah, I have spoken to thy mother. Um. <laughs> And he's basically like, your mother is looking forward to being reunited with you on the other side. What's that you don't want to hear when you're yeah. having a bad day? Um, yeah, and, she's waiting for you. Yeah. <laughs> and then he full on dies. Yeah, like does this point, she's waiting for you, and then... Ah! Like, yeah. he goes out... He does, he goes out like he's been life-forced. It's yeah. horrifying. And... Now, yeah, and like, so he was on death's door, and Danvers comes rushing in as he's flatlining. Yeah, throws a look at Navarro like, "Would you? Do? You had one fucking job. It like a... I'm taking down the militia out there, single handed. Yes, right. No weapons, just just my hands and my cuffs here. And you had one job. Like the next episode is going to start with her plunging her hands into his chest yeah. to massage his heart back to you are not going down on me god damn it dr lecter but there's there's another there's another part of me that thinks there's a trust element there if navarro shot that guy does she think in the back of her head did yeah maybe, did she kill this dude yeah. yeah maybe she killed this guy i mean i think uh, you know it like what is the motive ask the question duncan um, What's the motive? Maybe this guy killed Anniki. Yeah. So maybe he's protecting the person that did. I don't know. But yeah, like so once again, this is another scene where Navarro has had communication with the other side. Mm-hmm. And it does it brings back what Rose said. Rose said that there's three types of spirits that come back to get in touch with you. One that, you know, wants something from you. One that is there to deliver a message. And I can't remember what the third thing was. Uh, the, the, the one... one that wants to take you with you. Yeah, that's right. So, and it appears that Navarro is getting haunted by all three, the ghosts of Christmas, past, future, and present. Um, so, yeah, like, like she's getting it from all sides. She's got, like, Holden, who's basically trying to give her a message for her mum. She's got fucking... Like our our mum who wants her to come to the other side, mm-hmm. um, and of obviously is haunted by the ghost of Anarchy as well. So, yeah, it look, I am all about this. Uh, yeah, and the thing about this episode is for a middle of the middle of the season the episode, it didn't really progress the story that much but i felt like we settled in and started filling out our characters a lot more so we now know what happened with danvers and navarro we might not know all the details but we know what the catalyst was behind that i've now got a really good theory on what sort of person hank is got a great theory about like navarro's illness and how it aligns with her sister um and the the visions that she gets we know a little bit more about danvers in general our attitudes towards her adopted daughter um and 
we now know more. But there's one scene that this whole episode closes with, which mm-hmm. is the 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 kind of set up for your here's your big cliffhanger this is your man in a pair of underwear walking along a grassy knoll with a gas mask mm. um basically right at the end of this one they they come out of the room um lund's dead pete arrives pete has fucking mobile phone which they've managed to hack and the last video is on it and the last video is of annie k annie k appears to be in the ice cave that's what it looks like yeah, uh, and I think the insinuation here is she was attacked by a polar bear. Maybe. Well, she says, I found it, it's here. Yeah. If anything happens to, to me, she says, and then immediately it's like, bah! and she's dragged yeah. away. Yeah, she's dragged away and she screams a lot as yeah. they all look at this camera. I think this is a polar bear. and I think this is the polar bear imagery. I think that we keep getting this polar bear thing. I also think it explains the scratch in the polar bear's eye. I think she claws it off. I think that's I think that's what we're going to find out. I think she claws the polar bear's eye. The polar bear lets her go. I think she's then found by the Salal group and right. something goes wrong there. Huh. Okay. I like all of that. I'm I also think the this. thing she's talking about is whatever... I, I also think there's something to do with them digging in the ice. I think it, I think well here's my work my working theory at the moment is there's infant deaths. She is fully aware of it as a midwife. She links it to the miners. I think she wants evidence, scientific evidence, so she convinces her friend to take her up to the Salal station. I think she then like goes out her way to start a relationship with Clark because Clark is the one that shows an interest in her to see what information she can get about the causes of what the mining might be doing, right? Mm-hmm. And I think whilst she's doing that, I think she's going to uncover that the Salal station was doing something. I think she needs evidence for it, which she will find in the ice cave. I think that's what gets her murdered. And I think it might be the people in the Salal station collectively, almost as a kind of fucking as a murder on the Orient Express. I think they all take turns, and that's why she stabbed 32 times. I, okay, I'm with you there. Um, I think that one of the things going on is that this is based on the purest of speculation. <laughs> Moment. Right, like the light bulb, the light bulb. Every season, you're going to get it right one day. Right. They're clearly ice moment. Ice moment. <laughs> Um, no, I think when they, talk, <laughs> when they talk about something being in the ice, yeah, there's a, there, there could be a some sort of pathogen or enzyme or right. something, something that maybe might drive the caribou crazy, that might drive Salal Station crazy, mm-hmm. might also drive some of the people out looking for Clark on the ice crazy, which is mm. why they we have a room full of people attacking each That's other. That's a good point. It's a good point. And that the the she in this is like some name that they have given to it, right? And possibly. So, yeah. all right. So that's where I am. That's just again pure speculation based on nothing more than oh, it's something in the ice that they've let loose, and maybe that's one of the like as they're looking for these microbes that they've mm-hmm. unleashed some kind of pathogen, like you said. And mm. so, I like it. I like it. I, you know, I do what I can, Duncan. 
Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, any other theories that we need to hit? Um, I think we've covered them all. I think the big ones here are are all there. I think yeah. um, from our position now, we are now moving into the back half of the season. We absolutely are. Uh, you know, as soon as we get done recording this tonight, I'm going to go watch the new episode that dropped yesterday. Mm-hmm. And I can't wait. I'm I'm enjoying this. And I really, you know, not, I mean, not to toot our own horn, but I really have enjoyed, like, picking it apart and yeah. really getting into some of the character stuff. Like, I've really enjoyed not only watching the show, but I've really enjoyed talking about the show this year. Yeah, I think the... <sighs> I think, once again, there's a lot of people out there that are looking unfairly at this season. Um, I think they're judging it. They're judging the entire season by the however many episodes have come out. What kind of like annoyed me a little bit is our buddy Nick Pizzolatto has taken pot shots at um, Issa Lopez this week on his social media, basically saying that, you know, all these connections to season one are dumb. Um he doesn't like the fact that like it's like people are obviously questioning him on on Instagram and Reddit and stuff, mm-hmm. and he's answering back and he's being very dismissive of the season overall, um, which just screams to me of sour grapes. You know what right, I mean? Right, like, right, right. Like, like, let's let's be honest here. Like, it's not your property anymore, and they can do whatever they want with it. And also, I don't think. Like I said to you before, I think the, the fact you mentioned like Tuttle organization or the Tuttle fucking collective, and I was like, oh, could it be this way? That has not been touched on again and might never get touched on. And it might be those are just throwaway lines to indicate that it's in the same universe. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, season three did. Season three did with clip art of Rust and fucking um, Marty solving of the case and a like a news like article or something. So season three existed in the same universe. This is just linking it to that. The spirals might be no connection to any Yellow King or Carcosa, and it may just be purely something that she dreamt from the ether. Mm-hmm. Um so I don't know. I don't know. Like I think I think Nick Pisolato should concentrate on trying to get something off the ground instead of getting all his stuff cancelled. <laughs> uh yeah, take that. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I have, you know, I don't see a whole lot of social media, uh, fortunately, so I haven't caught a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Um, and heavily polarizing season, weirdly, there's like a lot of people not digging the overt horror of it. Um, uh, I mean, I, I guess I get it, but I mean, man, it's just, it, it's been so much fun for me. I really, I a hundred percent. And I still think, I still think like based on our two theories, like my theory is that she's playing the long con. She's setting up all this supernatural shit, but ultimately it's going to end in a very practical, yeah, kind of. Which is what True Detective does. I, like, I if, yes. every season does that. It plays with a lot of shit that is just on. It's on the fringe of esoteric, and then, but at the end of the day, it's always it's always a guy, yeah, who you know did the murder. It's so. some human foible of some kind yeah. whether it's greed or uh, you know sloth debauchery whatever it happens <laughs> to be but what's yeah. in the box uh, um, <laughs> what's in the box dr lecter <laughs> Eat, I, I, stop it you're sucking the eyeballs out like they're grapes it's <laughs> disgusting 
Um, anyway, uh, Duncan, yes. where can people find more stuff from you? Uh, should they want more of this penetrating insight uh, and and hottest of takes? Oh, um, and, and just just the right amount of ribaldry. Yeah, just j- always just the right amount. Yeah, too much in, it's fucking ruined. Yeah, um, and it's yeah, it's not like enough. Human. There's no point. Yeah, um, yeah. Please check out the podcast under the stairs. T Putzcast, T P U T S C A S T dot com is the website. Or podcast under the stairs wherever you listen to podcasts, or search podcast under the stairs on YouTube, and you will get my content there. I've just put out the final episode of my top twenty of 2023 and i am moving into concluding up to date the recent rung of 88 films italian collection series movies which will include me reviewing a 4k uhd print of cannibal holocaust yay um fucking yay yeah and well it, you know you gotta watch it about once every five years just to prove yeah that, and then you just know, like try and recover still that movie that anything. is never real that's a movie that like no one was saying you know what 4k uhd um i want to see so, more turtle how can uh, how can the turtle be clearer so yeah so i've got that but there's a there's a, a, a goofy fucking sci-fi fantasy movie in there as well and i think one at least one other kind of crime thriller as well and the recent rung of them so i'll be reviewing them uh, throughout the month of february and finally getting around to my npc series on maniac cop what about yourself bo where can people check out your stuff uh you can go to the dark parade uh you can also go to legionpodcast.com uh there you can find uh my show and a bunch of others uh the dark parade is uh on you know any good reliable podcast provider you know <laughs> i mean yeah, some of these fly by night ones uh not so much <laughs> The the ones where you can only get podcasts about you know cryptids and uh, the way that they love mm-hmm. uh, uh, and and their strange rituals, then uh, yeah maybe not on those, but on any other one, any like your apples, your uh, your a- androids, your uh, uh, MP threes, what? Um, <laughs> Zoom, yeah. Zoom. You, yes uh you you can find us over on uh the walkman we're gonna release in single form uh from now on but no many desk um... <laughs> the umd <laughs> uh for those that remember that abortion of a of a media format um yeah 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 but so uh yeah so more heart of war more weird stuff coming on dark parade uh, check us out over there, and and apparently we're taking a week off. Yeah, we are. Uh, on account of there being uh, football to be played, American football. God damn it! The uh, the the hardest of all the footballs. Um, <laughs> I think I think there's going to be a lot of complaining. Here's why I don't want to be online again ever. Uh, because <laughs> after this Super Bowl, there's going to be a bunch of people bitching about like. Can you believe how many times the camera cut to Taylor Swift, who is in one of the boxes watching her boyfriend play? It's ruining the game. It's like, really, the game that is the launch pad for all kinds of uh, CTE injuries, multiple murders and deaths? No one taught... Listen, 
I'm I'm outside your country, and I can tell you right now, no one talks about the winners or losers of the Super Bowl. What they talk about is the Super Bowl halftime. So it's already a spectacle of entertainment and singers and dancers and adverts. So if the biggest recording artist of all time is there, that kind of makes sense to me. I don't know why, mm-hmm. but kind of makes sense. I think that's on brand. Yeah, I I totally agree. But there there are some people. Already getting real butthurt about this situation, Duncan. They wouldn't by any chance be wearing red caps that say uh, America great again, again, again. Uh, Duncan, uh, I think that is conjecture <laughs> and true. <laughs> conjecture and bore out with the piles of evidence we have here. <laughs> right, um, <laughs> yeah. If you look here, Duncan, um, <laughs> it turns out that that Venn diagram is just a circle. It's just a circle. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, we will be back then in two weeks to talk about uh, more True Detective. Uh, but until then, my only task left is, is to say to my good friend Duncan, say goodnight, Duncan. To say to my good friend Duncan, say goodnight, Duncan. It, it still gets longer. I almost tagged the other bit in there, and then I was like, that, that's taking it one step too far, and wait till next time. <laughs> Ha, ha, ha.